Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. I think James did me a little dirty with that intro there, Joe. What I meant to say was the man in the beginning of the movie who she was getting engaged to, he was a lovely man. You know, inside, he was caring and loving, and that's what mattered. Not that he shut down Tiffany's and told her to pick a ring. (laughs) You had the option of saying multiple things about Patrick Dempsey's (laughs) character. You chose the shutting down of Tiffany's. You could have talked about the the rugged good looks, the political connections. Of course, yes upstanding guy yeah. bright future ahead of him there was a um, lot of great he loved her he loved her despite uh, his mother's uh, grievances with that yes, that's a yes. great one right there that's, that's probably the one. best one still yeah. not the better man in this movie though i'm sorry i mean but rachel did you see uh, that he, he yeah. shut down uh, tiffany's yeah. on yeah, fifth avenue and told her to pick one the other guy could have too he just doesn't show off how much money he has that's true we don't the find that until guy? the end of the movie spoiler alert yeah he ends up loaded as well joe that guy's so a that guy's she, a prick, she was though. in a win-win He's a prick. well he was but then by the end of the movie they realized that you know that was the one true love all along and then he he was only a jerk joe because of how much he missed her that's why uh, this is I, I don't even know. <laughs> she showed her cards. We know we know this. we know what she, Amber is now. Yeah. Amber's <laughs> only takeaway from that movie was that the Patrick Dempsey took Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Tiffany's, shut down the store and she could pick any ring she I wanted. Mean, listen, to which she did and then left them high and dry. Listen, if that was how I was choosing men over here, I don't know if I'd be sitting here with you two. Let's be. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. James Harden, uh, he is a man with a lot of money. A little bit less of it, though. Today, the NBA has fined the Philadelphia 76ers star $100,000 for indicating that he would not perform the services called for under his player contract unless traded to another team. This, Joe, comes on the heels of that sound when James Harden was in China and he called Daryl Morey a liar and he made it very clear that he has no intention of ever playing for an organization that Daryl Morey is part of. The NFL PA about an hour ago tweeted out that they are going to try to work against this fine. They are going to file a grievance and try to dispute this thing because they don't think that this falls under the policy where you cannot demand a trade publicly. Man, are we headed for a crossroads? And I'm not talking small picture Harden and the Sixers. We're talking crossroads, NBA, and Players Association. Because the NBA is not screwing around. They have Mm -hmm. clearly had enough of this stuff where guys are going public and making it very clear that they either want to go somewhere else, want to go somewhere else to a very specific team, or refuse to play for the team they're currently on. It is a bad look. That's what it is. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for the sport. It's a bad look for everybody. And I'm not just putting this on Harden or Lillard because the way in which players have operated over the last decade plus has been exactly this. If you are a superstar, you have juice. 
in this sport because your contract is fully guaranteed. It's not like the NFL. So these guys have taken to their massive platforms and they've let it be known how they feel and what they want to happen. And for a large percentage of the time, the NBA has acquiesced. The teams have realized, well, if he says he's not playing here and he's done, nothing we can do about it. Let's just try to move the contract and get what we can in return. No more. Behind the scenes, it is clear the owners have had enough, Adam Silver's had enough, and now they're going to start cracking down. I don't know if 100K is going to be enough to dissuade players from doing this, but we've already had the Damian Lillard situation where the warning went out to everybody. Now we're having the James Harden situation. We'll see what happens next. Uh, Adam Silver has been a very pro-player commissioner, and this ain't very pro-player in the end, right? I think he's realizing that the power of the player maybe needs to have some of its limits here in order for the NBA to retain any of its power, any of these teams to have any semblance of power. This one's interesting, though, here with James Harden, because you could make the argument that he wasn't demanding a trade publicly, that he was demanding the firing of Daryl Morey. If I'm the NBA PA, that's the argument I'm going with here. Because by the way, James Harden had already publicly demanded a trade. Very clearly publicly demanded a trade and demanded a trade to one team, the Los Angeles Clippers. It was the worst kept secret in the entire NBA. The NBA let all of that go. For some reason, they came down on Damian Lillard with that memo that you suggested. They didn't do much of anything about the James Harden situation until now, until James Harden goes to China, until he publicly calls Daryl Morey a liar and says he won't play for him. But if I'm the NBA PA, I'm looking at this situation like, hey, you didn't do anything before. This isn't actually the trade demand. This is James Harden calling for his job. And are we going to allow our players not to be able to express their discontent with the front office staff of their team or with the coaching staff of their team, because that does feel like a bit of a slippery slope. And I can understand why if you were the NBA PA, you would fight against this tooth or nail instead of allowing these bank accounts to be affected by players expressing their frustrations. No doubt. No doubt. And if you are frustrated, air that grievance. No one's trying to shut you up, but you said you're not going to play. That's the problem because you're contracted to play. You want money from the organization in exchange for your services. If you're not going to perform your services, then what do we do now? We continue to pay you? That's the problem here. You're well, right. Only you not going to play with Daryl Morey there. He didn't say he wasn't going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers but, again. But and in Maury, fact, kind of walked it back a couple days later on, on local Maury, news there. Morey is there. Morey right is now. there. So right Morey's there right now, and he's saying he will not be a part of any organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. It turns out Morey is a part of the organization that is contracting James Harden to play basketball. Ipso facto, Harden is saying he will not be playing for the 76ers because Morey's a part of it. That's him saying he will not be playing uh, up to his contract contractual standards. And as a result, that's why they're bringing it. Now, I think there's a great case to be made. You've already started on it. And I think the NBA PA is going to make a great case as well. But this is going to be very interesting to watch moving forward because this is not going to be the last time a player speaks publicly about being frustrated with their team or wanting to be traded or some other factor in which they want to change their current environment or circumstances. This one's going to get uglier. It's going to get uglier. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I love a solid ipso facto. You've never sounded better, by the way. That's it for me. I am walking (laughs) off after this segment. You guys can talk about McSteamy, McDreamy, whatever you want the rest of the way out smartest you've ever sounded this will certainly be interesting to see because it was interesting already when the NBA decided to go after Damian Lillard but like you said that was just a memo that was just a warning 
Well, now they're actually putting their money where their mouth is, and they are going after James Harden on this thing, saying, hey, this isn't a warning any longer. Now we're going to come down hard. And $100,000, I understand how much money these guys make. $100,000 is still a very hefty fine, no matter how much money you have. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Where does this stack up compared to other fines? I know they used to just pop Cuban for a half mil and a mil here because 100 k isn't going to be nearly enough to get them but a hundred thousand feels to your point like a really notable fine compared to some of the the most i believe and i'm doing that off the top of my head i believe if i recall it's the most that you can that you can find a player for the violation of that rule against public trade demands now that's increased i think before when we saw these fines these fines levied years ago like with the anthony davis situation that was a fifty thousand dollar fine i think back then under the old CBA. So under the new CBA, those fines are now increased and they're opting to exercise it to the level of $100,000. I have a feeling if we look it up, it will have been the most for that public trade demand that we've seen. Cause I think this may have been the first hefty one that we've seen under the new CBA. Nice. So nice. we will see how this thing plays out, but the NBA certainly trying to take this subject more and more seriously and come Let's down harsher when it comes to public trade demand. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, the Bucks have their QB1 for now. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
A lot of breaking news all around the world of sports today. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by our friends at Progressive Insurance. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So out of the world of the NFL, the breaking news that we got today was out of Tampa Bay, Joe, where we learned that Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have very mixed feelings about this, as everybody knows, because I'm a Gator. So I was really hoping Kyle Trask was going to be able to get something done. Although Baker, I'd like him to be a star in the league again so he can fire back up some of those commercials because he's the best actor in the league. I was surprised. I thought coming off of that second preseason game there for Kyle Trask against the Jets, I know at one point he had an ugly fumble, and it feels like maybe that's the moment that cost him the job. But statistically speaking, he was pretty good in that game. Both of these guys actually looked pretty decent in the preseason. And if you were going to go with Baker Joe, because of all of the experience he has as a starter, it feels like a decision that could have been made before now. So a few things to think about here. Number one with Mayfield winning the job and whether or not it's good for the Buccaneers. The first question you have to ask is, did he beat out a good quarterback or did he beat out a bad quarterback in Kyle Trask? We don't really know the answer because we haven't seen a whole lot of Kyle Trask. So it's a bit of an unknown Clearly, he wasn't great, but that's not necessarily an indictment on him. He's a young guy trying to find his way. So they're going to go with Mayfield. Career completion percentage of 61%. Fourth team in three seasons. Not a whole lot to get excited about there. Not sure if he's going to rekindle anything in Tampa. He does have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. There are weapons. It's not as if Tampa is devoid of talent. If you're a quarterback there, there will be an opportunity to produce. But if you're the Bucs and this race was close, this is absolutely the order in which you go. Don't start Trask, and then if it doesn't play out, turn it over to Mayfield. True. Start Mayfield, and if it doesn't work out, it makes a whole lot of sense to turn it over to Trask because everyone who's been watching Mayfield has watched him lose job after job after job the last few years, so this wouldn't be surprising at all. And this would give Trask an opportunity to get his feet wet, to just take his time with the process, see what kind of team they're working with this year, and then maybe they find a soft landing spot for him later in the season. He's a guy they drafted. He's a guy they know very little about in terms of real-world game experience. So you'd rather be able to give him a wide berth later in the season than if he struggles early, have everyone screaming and yelling for Mayfield after week three. Typically, I would absolutely agree with your assessment there because it's easier to go from the guy who has started 69 regular season games in the NFL to the guy who has started hardly anything in the National Football League, right? However, in this situation, because they drafted Kyle Trask, because he's been with this organization now for years, plural, it's extra disappointing to me because if the Bucks really thought Kyle Trask was ready and he was really going to be their QB of the future they would be taking this opportunity to start him even if Baker Mayfield is on their roster. Now Mayfield did appear a little bit better than Trask in that first preseason game. He had a pretty good command of that offense. He completed eight of nine passes. We didn't see him much. 63 yards, a touchdown, no interception. So we took care of the football. Kyle Trask, on the other hand, in a couple preseason games, they gave him a couple opportunities there to fully evaluate him. 26 of 38, 317 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He also had that fumble against the Jets in preseason game two. Kyle's numbers aren't terrible. I mean, neither of these guys 
were bad here in the preseason, but they're going with the more proven starter. The guy who actually coming off of a good end to the season there with the Los Angeles Rams, a lot of people forget about with Baker Mayfield last season. Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers head coach, was asked why Baker is the starter. There's a lot that goes into it. I can't sit up here and give you every detail. You know, we go through many camp, training camp and OTAs, and we love everything Kyle has done. And he's gotten leaps and bounds better than he has in the spring, and he's continuing to get better, and we're excited about him. Uh, Baker's our guy right now, uh, experience-wise, and understanding the playbook just a little bit better. He can throw it. He's very smart. He understands football very well. He can read defenses. He's very good for the scheme we're using, as is Kyle. I'm not denying that either, but Baker's the guy we're going with right now, and we're comfortable with that. Baker's one, Kyle's two. He said um, right now multiple times. Yeah, in that I, clip. It's, it's clear. It's not like, yeah, so Mayfield's the guy, much like Peyton Manning was the guy in Indianapolis and, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts is the guy in Philadelphia. Like, no, absolutely not. Mayfield won the job. Neither guy was all that impressive. He knows the playbook a little bit better, so he gets first crack at it. The real question is, what's the plan in Tampa Bay this year? What's the plan? You trying to win 10 games? You trying to win the division? You trying to make a playoff run? Or... Or is this a transitional year where behind the scenes they realize, look, this probably isn't going to be the best team we've thrown out there. Tom Brady's no longer here. Mayfield's not the long-term answer. Trask might not be the long-term answer. We've got a real solid quarterback class set to join the NFL next year. We're projected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. What if we put ourselves into position to draft Drake May out of North Carolina, Caleb Williams out of USC, or any other number of young, talented quarterbacks that could be coming out. Because I can't imagine entering year two of the Todd Bowles experience that the Buccaneers ownership group is all that excited about what they have in front of them right now. They did what they needed to do to win a Super Bowl and be competitive. Brady came in. They made the necessary transactions. They got the job done. It was a successful run, much like what you saw in LA with the Rams. But now the check has come due and you got to start asking, how do you want to proceed? Do you want to just whittle away in mediocrity or do you want to get the rebuild started faster than some might expect? They won the division this past season with Tom Brady, but with a losing record at eight and nine, that could get it done again this season because that division is yep. very confusing and hard to predict. I mean, certainly the Saints could be better. The Panthers, some people thought were going to be quite better, or they could also all be awful once again. So if you're the Bucks, you're you're evaluating that landscape. The problem is if you take the let's focus on next year's draft approach, I think it costs Todd Bowles his job. The Glazers have not been in the past uh, very patient when it comes to making coaching changes, to say the least. That is a family that wants results, and they want results now in Tampa. And if you're not bringing the results, I don't know if it buys him time because he was the coordinator there, and so the relationship stems back far beyond just his head coaching tenure. But if the head coaching tenure isn't successful this season, I don't know if he survives it. So if you're Todd Bowles, I don't think the approach that you're taking is to look towards the next draft. That's the problem, because sometimes you find teams in these situations. You've got a head coach who's very much interested in protecting his job, 
And then you have an organization that's very much interested in hitting reset. Go back to what happened with the Houston Texans last year. Everyone know they were knew they were looking to hit reset. Lovey Smith knew he was going to be out of a job. He made damn sure Houston had every chance to win in week 18, which is exactly what they did, which is exactly what cost them the first overall pick in the draft. Now Tampa Bay, if they're thinking about moving on and hitting reset this offseason, well, Todd Bowles might not be on board, and that could be a problem for jockeying in the draft position. Baker Mayfield, when he was named the starter, he said all the right things, that he's excited, he's honored, special honor, yada, yada, yada. This is the fourth team that Baker's been part of since leaving the Cleveland Browns in 2021. I mentioned there a better start or a better end to the season than maybe a lot of people realize for Baker because none of us were watching the Los Angeles Rams by the end of the season. This may be his last opportunity to prove himself as a starter in the National Football League. Coming up next, we head to baseball, the latest on Wander Franco. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We were just talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's stay in the Tampa Bay area, but this time with baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. Wander Franco, the 22-year-old all-star shortstop for the Rays, was placed on administrative leave today. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenball with you here on Joe and Amber. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So to discuss this story, we had gotten Jeff Passan. We'd booked Passan. We had him on the phone with us. He was all set, ready to go. We were about to launch into things, and then Jeff abruptly hung up on me. So let's circle back and bring Jeff back in. MLB oh, inside. Oh, 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 no, no, oh. I'm sorry. I'm, I, honestly, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. All right, well, let's go. No, that's funny because that is exactly what you did to us a few minutes ago when we were supposed to have you on because there was breaking news. So you had to stop me right before I started and go attend to that. What was the breaking news, Jeff? 
the breaking news is that Ken Williams, uh, the longtime president of the Chicago White Sox, uh, and Rick Hahn, who is the general manager of the White Sox and has been running the day-to-day show uh, for upward of a decade now, were fired by Jerry Reinsdorf, the White Sox owner, amid a really, really bad year for the team. Um, not just in the fact that uh, this was a team that, as recently as last year, felt like it had World Series aspirations and now was one of the primary sellers at the deadline. But beyond that, uh, there was this window that seemed to uh, open and almost close simultaneously and that this run with uh, what looked like the best minor league system in baseball for the White Sox that was supposed to turn into something glorious uh, petered out, fizzled, and led to this place where uh, longtime executives get fired. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, it was announced today that Wander Franco, the shortstop of the Tampa Bay Rays, would be placed on administrative leave amid multiple investigations into alleged relationships he had with underage girls in his native Dominican Republic. What's the latest on this story? Uh, We're not going to be seeing Wander Franco play for a while. And uh, how long of a while that is, depends on these investigations and what they turn up. And uh, on one hand, uh, there are multiple investigations going on, uh, not just Major League Baseball's Department of Investigations, but uh, a unit of the Dominican uh, law enforcement system that focuses on uh, minors and sex cases and uh, that is never a good thing when someone is being investigated for that. On the other hand, uh, the justice system in the Dominican Republic works a little bit differently than it does in the United States. Um, there are cases that are criminal cases where uh, there can be payments. Uh, and if a family is satisfied with the payment, then it can talk with prosecutors and say it doesn't want to pursue criminal charges. So. There are plenty of different ways that this can go, and it's so early on uh, that when it came to getting Wanda Franco potentially back onto the field, I think all the parties involved understood that uh, these investigations need to play out before something like that is even considered, and it's why administrative leave is not just going to be for the standard seven days at the beginning, but uh, until further notice, uh, according to the deal between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Jeff Passan joining us. So, Jeff, if nothing comes of this from a legal perspective in the Dominican Republic, does that affect Major League Baseball's investigation or are those two things wholly independent of each other? Yeah, not necessarily, because as we saw, Amber, with Trevor Bauer, um, you know, he was not charged with anything, and yet he was suspended for 324 games, two full seasons by Major League Baseball. Now, that got reduced on appeal to 194 games, but it was still you know, the most substantial suspension, certainly, that we've seen from the domestic violence policy that the league has. And uh, there have been a number of other suspensions, the majority, actually, where uh, you know games were lost, uh, even though criminal charges were uh, not only not filed, but were not seen to their conclusion. So... Uh, the the idea that uh, if there is not enough to pursue it in the justice system of the Dominican Republic, uh, that that's going to absolve him in Major League Baseball eyes, uh, absolutely not the case. Major League Baseball has different standards uh, for its jurisprudence than 
countries, uh, municipalities, and uh, the, the typical law enforcement apparatus. It seems like it will be quite some time, however this thing plays out. Jeff Passan, ESPN Major League Baseball Insider. Thanks for circling back around, Jeff. Uh, I'll make sure to hang up on you next time, Amber. Thank you. (laughs) He better not hang up on me next time, that Jeff Passan. Joe, I want to start with the breaking news that we got off the top there with Jeff and that we had during the Sports Center update because that thing happened during our show here with the Chicago White Sox. They fire their vice president. They fire their general manager at the top. Things have crumbled there for that organization. And there's this report out there. I don't know if you've seen this, Joe. It's from Greg Hines of Crane's Chicago Business, where he is saying that the Chicago White Sox could be the next team. We're seeing it right with Oakland, the A's. They're supposedly moving there to your city in Las Vegas. Now the White Sox could be maybe that next team on the move. One of those cities that they could consider leaving for here is Nashville. It seems a little surprising when we're talking about the Chicago White Sox to think of them in Nashville, but their lease is set to expire in six years. So Jerry Reinsdorf is considering moving that organization from Guaranteed Rate Field, which is in the south side neighborhood of Bridgeport. He could move it to a suburb in Chicago. It may stay in Chicago, but reportedly the 87-year-old owner is also considering other states, other cities for this organization. Is that shocking to you, the way things have gone here? <laughs> no, for the no, it is not shocking at all. Let me ask you a question. If you don't know the answer, that's fine. Not everyone's going to get this. What do the Chicago White Sox and the Oakland Athletics have in common? Uh, money problems or they're cheap or what are we doing here? Second one. <laughs> that, Boom. Okay, that is it cheap. right there. They are notoriously cheap yeah. ownership groups. This is part of the reason the White Sox never took advantage of this window that just opened for them. They made bad decisions. Like hiring Tony LaRussa to be their manager. The guy couldn't be a more out touch with a major league clubhouse. And on top of that, they didn't spend any money or get aggressive when they had the core in place where they could have challenged. And now they're sitting 49 and 76. They're 16 out in a weak AL Central. They've got a minus 120 run differential, which is third worst in the AL. Third worst. The only teams worse are the A's and the Kansas City Royals. So the owner doesn't want to spend any money, just like the owner in Oakland. And oh, by the way, now I'm threatening to move. That's the move. And it's what, six years out? So Mm -hmm. now this is just kind of planting the seeds for what's going to happen over the next few years. I feel bad for White Sox fans. I really do. They had a lot to be excited about starting roughly maybe three years ago when some of these young guys started coming up. They did nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. And the Central, Minnesota's not that great. The Guardians are seven under. The Tigers are 11 under. They're sitting eight games better than you right now. Just a complete disaster. It starts at the top, just like in Mm -hmm. Oakland. Bad ownership. Apparently, Reisdorf is saying that maybe he'll sell his ownership stake, or at least people are jumping to that conclusion, probably also because he's 87 years old. He would retain, apparently, as part of that plan, his controlling interest in the Chicago Bulls, but maybe interested there in shopping his interest in the Chicago White Sox. 
It's serious enough where at least one developer in the suburbs of Chicago has already started to prepare a bid there because they believe, that developer believes, that the White Sox could be on the move out of Bridgeport. I'm with you. It feels like an owner trying to put pressure on a city for a new stadium. He's planting the seeds six years in advance. This conversation is just starting for that ownership group. And also... Maybe in doing so, and him now shopping some of his options and considering where he could go and trying to put pressure on the government maybe to try to help with a new ballpark there, maybe that also helps that whole value of that ownership interest if he is looking to move on at 87 years old. So maybe that's what all of this is about. But a situation that is brewing there in Chicago, not just in terms of what they just did in releasing a couple of their executives at the top of that organization. The other breaking news that we did not get to with Jeff Passan is that Mike Trout is back. He's back after seven weeks off and after that surgery on his broken hand, he's back for the Angels and it feels like too little too late, Joe. Yeah, what a joke. Who cares? Who cares if Trout's right? back? It's over. Like What an all-time bonehead decision by the Angels, speaking of bad ownership groups, to not trade Shohei Otani, right? Like, okay, we're not going to trade him. We're going to push. So here's the situation. The Angels are 56 and 51 on August 1st with the trade deadline at 6 p.m. that night. They decide not to move Otani. Since then, they are 5 and 13, making them 61 and 64 overall. They're nine back of the wild card with Seattle, Toronto, and Boston all in front of them. So you got to leapfrog three teams, then you got to take out one of the two wild card teams, and you are going to get nothing for Otani come the end of the season. It's almost as if. Everybody but Angels ownership saw this coming, and lo and behold, we didn't even need to clear the month of August before you could pretty much write off the Angels and say they are out of the playoff race. They did nothing post-deadline. 5-13. and 13, Just a all-time boneheaded decision. Maybe Shohei just really loves it there. Maybe he really <laughs> loves Anaheim. Yeah. And he wants to stay because of that. The Angels went 16-22 and in Trout's absence, including 11 losses in their last 18 games. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson with you. Is there trouble brewing for the defending Super Bowl champs? ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Joe, do you ever see these things on social media where they show you plain designs? Like what the design of the future could look like? Where it'll be... Yeah, for an airplane, like airplane seats, right? And one of them is that they're testing airplane seats that are basically stadium-style seats. Oh, seats. I thought you meant the airplane itself, just the seating way. Yeah, I see some of that occasionally, yes. It pops up on my timeline. Like right now on my Twitter, there's one where it's four people 
facing one another. So I guess all the seats are facing one another. And that seems like my nightmare. Don't they call that a train? Well, I guess. Yeah, actually, you're right. It see, this is it's what it, I'm here for, people. This is very disturbing to me. But you're right. We do do this on trains. And why the heck do we do this on trains? I mean, if you're with the party, it could be great if you're all traveling together. But if it's strangers, this seems bad. Have is it 2-2? Two, two? Are you facing each other 2-2? Two, two? In this one that just popped up on my Twitter X timeline. It oh, is that's two, too close. Two. Oh, those legs I'm are showing- touching. Yeah, I'm showing Joe right now. I mean, they they are touching each the, other. The Rachel, feet are touching. Rachel, no, that's they're, t- they're touching. Rachel, they're 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 touching. Well, like, okay, so what's worse, that or like the ones? Have you seen it where like the parasites are over each other? It's so bad. Yeah, because I it, the, can't the, imagine those are actually real. That feels like the classic troll job. No, you think no so? idiot would ever want to fly like that. No one. You can't no be the lower like seat, right? Like the upper seat might be kind of okay. That but you can't seat be the is lower completely seat. unacceptable. To to be in a position where you would be traveling in a seat like that, you would have to get off that plane, go find the closest mirror and evaluate everything you have done wrong <laughs> in your life that led you to that seat on that plane. You cannot but fly like that. What if the ticket was 40 bucks, you know, and you could fly across the country or something? People would sign up for it. I mean, I'm not one of those Too people. Good to be true. But people would sign up for it if they were cheap enough tickets. I don't know. All of this is terrifying. If anything, we need to be moving plane seats apart, right? Like, why are we even leaning further into this whole cattle call thing that we do on airplanes? Travel is already miserable enough. What What happened to the days? What makes you think the airlines are trying to make it better for you? They're trying to make it more cost effective for them. But Spreading out the seats and then lowering the prices doesn't work for them. Right. Well, I agree with that, but they're just trying to make sure that we can fit more sardines in the can. Like that's what they're trying to do to maximize the dollar. But at every turn, they have devalued the experience of traveling. It's off. I, when I hear about what it used to be like before my time, right. But like, yes, like people used to dress up back then to dress up. Like I, I wear, I mean, you're lucky if you get me out of pajamas when I'm traveling, you know? You're one of those, huh? Oh, I'm totally one of those. I'm gym clothes all the time, baseball cap on. Like nobody's going to be recognizing me when I'm traveling. Interesting, interesting indeed. Listen, I airline complaining about airline traveling is one of the most pointless exercises that we engage in as probably a worldwide society. But I'd imagine Americans complain more than most because we Americans we lead the league in complaints per minute uttered. What do you want? Right? You got the ability to get on a plane in New York City. You can be in Los Angeles that afternoon. Right? How, how great do you need it to be for it to, for it to work? Now, you can cut down on the TSA experience by signing up for clear or pre-check. Those so things good. can make things clear. easier. So you can it. make the flight go better if you want to spend more on the seat. If you can't afford that, it's understandable. But it's still not that bad. You don't have to go back that long to the Oregon Trail when people were trying to get (laughs) from, like, Missouri to Oregon in a covered wagon. There was no road. There was no path. You got got me there. there? You got me there. I have it easier than the Oregon Trail. Way easier. You're not going to die of dysentery flying Delta. The gold rush was harder than what I have been experiencing traveling on commercial jetliners. You absolutely got me there. And you are right, because although I am complaining about it, I was on a plane yesterday and I am getting back on a plane on Thursday. So it's happening for me either way. It's not like I'm stopping 
been traveling. I'm just going to complain about it while I do it. So this feels go. like two things are happening here. Number one, we were supposed to talk about the Chiefs in this segment, and Amber's filibustering her way out of talking about James's Chiefs. Absolutely. Number two, it also feels like Amber wants us to ask where she's going on Thursday, and I'm not nope. going to do it. Nope. I'm just not going to do it, James. What do you think about that? I wasn't fishing I- for that. Yes, you you know you were because I know I bet it's cool. It's your husband's birthday, is it it's not? Not that cool though. It's it's it's. I don't know if it sounds that cool. It is cool if you is see it your the actual birthday? place. That we, yes. Okay. But does does Missouri sound that cool? I don't. I don't know. Ozarks. No offense to everybody. It is the Ozarks. There you that, go. And we are the going. The Ozarks to are some, absolutely cool. Okay. Well, there you go. I've never been. Uh, hardly know what that means. I hope so there are I'm, people I'm in Missouri pumped. who heard that, and I no, hope they we welcome love you, you exactly the way you should be. We welcomed. love you, Missouri. A big Missouri fan. I think I've never been yet. I'll, I'll report back next week and Ugh. let you know how it all was. The Kansas City Chiefs. Speaking of Missouri. Oh. Yeah. The Kansas, Perfect there segue. you go. There you he go. He was just on the mic waiting for that moment. <laughs> that well done, was James. the Good moment. Listening. Yes. Well done there, James. It's Speaking of Missouri. Of Chris Jones. Here on the show. <laughs> Chris Jones. He may not be showing up until week eight for the Kansas City Chiefs. Today on social media, a fan Asked the All-Pro D-Tackle when he planned to return to the Super Bowl champs. He responded, week eight. Week eight, Joe. He is uh, doubling down on this holdout. He, he knows. He knows how valuable he is to that defense. Kansas City gave up 4.4 yards per rushing attempt last season as a defense, which ranks right in the middle of the pack in the NFL. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and that Kansas City offense, you don't need a, an elite defense to make a serious run at the Super Bowl. But if your defense falls in the bottom 10, bottom 5 range, then you're going to start having problems because you're going to be asking too much of Mahomes and company and some of these other more well-balanced teams are going to get a leg up on you. I'd look at a team like Baltimore who brings a very nice defense to the table, but that's a story for another day. Chris Jones is huge, huge when it comes to defending the run. He's huge when it comes to generating pressure. Kansas City was number two in the NFL in sacks last season with 55. He might not be out there recording 22 himself, but he commands so much attention from the opposing offensive line that it frees up other guys along that defensive front to go after and bring down the opposing quarterback. So that threat, it's going to be taken seriously. It's probably just posturing because he's going to want to get paid in some regard, but those two have to come together on something or that Chiefs defense is going to be highly suspect right out of the gate against Detroit. He's already missing $50,000 for each day that he misses of training camp. Under now the CBA, he would be fined a game check for each game missed during the regular season. On his $80 million deal, uh, and 20 of that due this season, roughly about $1.2 million per game, extended over seven games, you're talking $8.2 million he'd be losing if he didn't show up until week eight. And that's on top of the training camp fines. So it would be even more than that. A fan did tweet that to Chris Jones saying that'd be a hefty tab. Chris Jones replied, I can afford it. He's done quite well I mean, $80 million deal, I guess. If you have to miss out on nine of that, you still got quite a bit of that left over. I'm starting to get nervous. Joe and Amber, the podcast.